everyone. Welcome back, Wrench Nation. Hanging out with you guys from the East Valley of Institute of the Technology. Justin, you know you got to put those trumpets up. The trumpets up? What happened? Did you fire the trumpet player, the trumpet section? I, I fired the trumpet player. You did. The music went away. I, I, I just I always pay homage to that great brass section. Because people driving in their cars right now need more brass in their life. Brass, monkey. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, Frank with Wrench Nation, always an honor to hang out with you guys. Uh, East Valley Institute of Technology, where you've got a whole slew of skilled trades. All my parents listening, you guys rock. Uh, students, you're taking a fall break. You're cooking turkeys. Whatever you're doing, you're hanging. You'll be back in school, and uh, we'll see you back on campus next week. I want to remind you, WrenchNation.tv. Uh, there was a show we covered I think you guys will be interested in. That's the advanced technology of near-field sensors. Justin, you're going to do a technology show. There's stuff under hood, man. This is near-field sensors. They can detect things. Like what? Like like the little ball that rolls in front of your car, the radar goes off and oh, applies your brake. Like a beach ball or something. Yes. Gotcha. The average consumer has no idea you have... Little tiny quiet sensors. And guess what we do as mechanics and technicians? You fix it. We got to fix it so it all doesn't look crookedy-eyed. So <laughs> on today's show topic, I want to bring to you a lot of you are, you know, a lot of my shop owners, uh, automotive service technicians, and my business community. You guys rock. Uh, I've heard, in fact, uh, an uptick of uh, California, KMAT out there. You guys rock. Thank you for the support. Um, I don't care if you're a shop owner or not. You may be at a point in your life, in your business, where you flatline because you run out of things you think you can do better, but you own the business, you do it, it's your show, and guess what happens? You flatline. What about a business coach? Raise your hand right now while you're driving. Don't put it through the sunroof. Please, no texting and driving. Could you use a business coach in your life? I've got a couple people in studio. They are off the streets. We grabbed them because Susie's not on board. Greg Ovis is missing. I have my lovely daughter, Miss Natalie. Uh, she's 13. Get on the mic. Say hello to the peoples. Hello. Hello. Um, could you use a coach right now? Um, yeah, I think so. All right. So we got a thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, Catherine's hanging. Catherine. Hi. Uh, could you use a coach in your life? Probably, most definitely. All uh, right, we won't say why. That's personal. We don't want to get personal. <laughs> personal. But in all reality, we like to have fun on the show, but the fact is a lot of you running in your small businesses, you're excited. Year one goes by, you made it. This is a big deal. 90% of you could fail in year one of business. That's a true statistic. And so you're going at it alone. How important is it to attain a coach? Not only for your mental sanity, but also the vibe of the culture in your business. And more importantly, the P&L, which I like to call profit or loss. I don't think there's such a thing as profit and loss. So we're honored to have uh, industry-leading coach Vic Tarasic. Uh, he's going to be joining us here in a little bit. And uh, Vic has been around the industry for many, many years. And uh, he leads a mastermind group as well as does some great coaching throughout the industry. And, of course, he's going to be at Apex, a lot of my industry folks. Apex is coming up, the big shinding in Vegas. He is going to be teaming up with Murray Voth. He's another great coach trainer. Are you willing to get better? Do you think you have all the answers? Or do you think a business coach is so yesterday? Frank, I'm not Michael Jordan. I'm not a high-performing athlete. But you'd be surprised. Uh, my daughter's chomping at the bits. Go ahead. Tell me what you think. Well, I think that everyone should have a couple, like, pointers here and there. I think everyone needs some guidance. You don't know everything. But I think for business, it's always good to have a second opinion. You are 13. I can't believe I live with you in my house. You sound like a 40-year-old businesswoman. Oh, you didn't get that from me, maybe. <laughs> but no, you make good points, Natalie. Yeah. Catherine, uh, we talk about coach, and 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 you you're driving a Honda, a Hyundai. Yes, Hyundai. You had a coach to help you drive the the, the thing, right? Did you? Maybe. Uh, I don't think so. You just got in. Yeah, I just got into it. She just yeah. not. You're a gifted driver. You should. Apparently. That's awesome. But my point is, we could all use coaching. Justin, coaching. 
What, what's your per- perception on coaching? Oh, I need lots of coaching. You, okay, you're humble. You know some stuff's broken. You need, oh, you I'm, need help. I'm, I'm way broken. In, uh, in, in the business arena, we can get attacked on all areas. Uh, you just don't know. You think it, you have a plan, but Tuesday comes by and there's some anxiety because you've not prepared for something that came your way. You had no idea. So think openly about this show, not just as small business or an automotive shop operator, but someone in your own personal life. We're going to dive in, and uh, Vic is going to light some sage, give us some numbers, and give us the straight and skinny here shortly. But until then, i got to report some news. GM and their engineers, they have decided to tap NASA's Sound of the Sun recording. Natalie, have you heard the sound of the sun, and is it important to you driving someday? I mean, it's not very, I don't know how it was important to me, but I've heard it. I think it's interesting. Oh, you've heard the sound yeah, of the sun. it's pretty cool, but factually, I don't know if that's really something. That, that wouldn't put you over the edge to buy a vehicle. No, definitely not. General Motors engineer Jay Capedia spends long hours in a laboratory deep in the car maker's proving grounds out there in Milford. And he's doing all these things. He's checking the body, wheels, he designed seat fabric. And all of a sudden, because you guys know these electric vehicles, they're quiet. Justin, what, what do you think? Electric vehicles, they're quiet. Does it bother you? You cross the street and here's an EV, maybe a Tesla, and you don't hear a thing. I, I don't hear anything except for those weird sounds people program in them. Well, that's a thing. That's my point. So we went from engineers who design seats and they design all kinds of goodness under hood to now, the voice of the car. You can program. Now, we all know Elon Musk. He's got the whoopee cushion thing, and he's got that. Natalie, how would you like to buy a car in the future and, and actually be able to program a sound that is enjoyable to you? Well, I think that it would be cool if you could customize it in a way. What sound would you have in your hoopty? I mean, maybe something calming, but I think a lot of those you know, funny sounds really add to the the character, maybe. Yeah, they add to the car. It makes it kind of gives it an identity of its own. You know, I love this because on the show often, you, you guys know we'll cover the future. Well, right now we have the future. Natalie's 13. She's not even driving yet. And I'm going to ask you a question about that here. Uh, Catherine, you drive a Hyundai. You love your Hyundai. Would you like to have a programmable sound in your car? I think it would definitely help with like personalizing it. I don't know what sound I would do, but I would definitely like to have my own sound so people know like, oh, hey, there's Catherine or something like that. Now that's where we're going. And so when I mentioned this story about GM, they're not just figuring, oh, we got extra money. Let's pay this engineer for sounds. They're studying the marketplace. And it is the future generations just like you would wrap your uh, Apple with your own case and your unique identity. That's where it's going especially when we talk about electric vehicles, they don't make any noise. So, I mean, you could literally be backing up. And I think there's a little beep noise, I think, for that. Yeah, there's a little beep. Yeah, I know. You're always behind a Tesla, I think, maybe, sometimes. (laughs) But, you know, here's a job of an engineer to make the voice of the car. Now, i got to ask you two youngsters. It's important to me. Natalie, would you subscribe as opposed to buying? In other words, you have apps that you may subscribe to Some in the industry would say the future of owning a car isn't and that you would actually just pay into a subscription to a vehicle. In other words, you could have many different vehicles under these different levels of subscription. In other words, you may not own a vehicle in the future. Um, I think that it would be interesting to definitely subscribe to different cars, but I think your car kind of gives you your own identity and who you are as a person. So changing it up quite frequently may not be something I'm interested in, but I know a lot of people might be saying, oh, yeah, you know, I want to drive this car this week. A multi-personality type. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, Catherine, you own your Hyundai. You love your Hyundai. Yes. Um, Could you ever get to a point where your car drives for you? You mean like subscribe and stuff like that? Well, let's get out of subscribe and talk more autonomous. In other words, you just get in it and it does everything for you. Um, I personally like being able to drive it. I mean, every now and then I feel like it would be pretty cool to see it drive for itself. Otherwise, I like being in control and being able to handle where my car goes and what it does and everything. Do you think your kids may have a different approach? And I know I'm speaking way ahead. 
you oh, yeah, see definitely if, way ahead. I mean, do do you think there could be a future where you you just don't drive your car? Uh, yeah, I definitely think that there could possibly be a future. I don't know how many years into the future that might be a possibility, but I definitely see everything heading that direction and going towards more of like the cars and everything driving for themselves versus the people driving. Electric vehicles, Natalie, there's a lot going on right now. Um, ICE, which is internal combustion engines, that's gas. Mm-hmm. Uh, those vehicles in California in 2035 will not be able to be sold. Will you, and because you're at, you're kind of questioning, well, why not? Well, let me get you caught up on the story. There's a movement now, obviously, for a clean environment. Yes. Right? So gas is traditionally known fossil fuel. It's dirty. You're leaving hydrocarbons yeah. in the planet. You get that. Would you embrace an electric vehicle? I think I would definitely think about owning one, maybe even own one in my life. But the average person on today's income and inflation, I don't think it's reasonable for someone, you know, not getting. They like, can't maybe afford it. The yeah, lifestyle. It's, it's a electric vehicles are up there in price. And I think that people, it's not as reasonable as getting a car that you can get for maybe $2,500 in today's society that's it's a little more than that but let me tell you you're a rock star let me just tell you guys listening uh my daughter had no idea i was going to put her on the spot i think she's let's give a clap for her natalie she's just handling herself well and uh catherine you would embrace an electric vehicle as you kind of get into your career if the price points came down correct probably yeah i'd probably want to learn more about them because i don't know a lot about them but i test drive it see if it's something that i like then move forward depending on from there what do you think of Tesla? I like Tesla. I've never driven one. I'd really like to get a chance to test drive it to see how I really like it. But I like like the look of it and how they run and like how Elon Musk is trying to make everything more like electronic wise without having to ha- worry about gas and like pollution and everything. So the environment for both of you, Natalie, on a scale of one to ten in, in, in terms of transportation, environment is one to ten. Where do you sit on the environmental scale? scale? for your mode of transportation? How how important is it? It's extremely important. I mean, if I want my kids and their kids to survive, I definitely think that it's, we need electric vehicles because all the emissions being released into our air is, it's not as good versus an electric vehicle, which may take more time to definitely charge up, but it's like the extra hour to charge it versus, you know, and polluting, polluting the world. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you count your differences, but... That's a big deal. Yeah. Um, Some would say we're going too fast with electric vehicles because, A, you guys have talked about, uh, Natalie, you mentioned price. Um, Catherine, you're definitely interested in electric electric vehicle, but what about lifestyle? Like, we don't have as many charging stations as you do gas stations. I think that'll get better. What do you think, Natalie? Well, I think it's definitely not as popular because of the higher price points that people in society it's not reasonable for. But I do think that if we were able, say car manufacturers were able to make them not as expensive, we would definitely see an increase in them. But Teslas and electric and hybrid vehicles are much more expensive. They are. And and I think uh, GM has announced, guys, uh, Chevy Equinox is supposed to be coming out, I think, in a year, $30,000 electric vehicle. And that's an Equinox. That's not a little tiny car. Uh, so we'll see. That's on the horizon. Uh, I want you guys to stay tuned. We're going to dive into the whole topic of 20 groups, like these peer groups. It's like you sitting in this group to get better, and you're very transparent. You don't lie to yourself about the things that you really aren't accomplishing. Vic Tarasic is going to join us. Stay tuned, French Nation. Bolt-On Technologies, automotive software solutions. Auto repair shops that have Bolt-On Technologies software provide customer vehicle condition reports, including photos and text, real-time digital reports, multi-point inspections, estimates, and repair information at your fingertips. Info at boltontechnology.com. 
Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, nationwide locations. You know, one of the problems that I can have working in my garage is parts aren't delivered on time, the quality isn't there. Well, guess what? Who's yelling at me, my clients, and they're likely not to come back? Well, the Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, amazing service, knowledgeable counter folks, a complete line of original equipment, parts that our customers deserve. If you're an installer, Get on to PartsAuthority.com. Check locations nationally near you. PartsAuthority.com. I want my mileage back. Of course you want your mileage back. And all the extra money you've spent feeding an engine gunked up with carbon. Your car needs its fuel system cleaned, and it needs it now. You need BG44K. It's the one dealerships use the most. In fact, they use BG44K almost 3 to 1 over any other fuel system cleaner made. To find a shop near you, go to BG Find a Shop. Shop.com. That's BGfindashop.com. I got my mileage back. BG, BG. Whether you're looking for a full service direct mail or you just simply want a few marketing materials printed for use in your store, Mail Shark has got you covered. With over 10 years of client service success with direct mail postcards, restaurant box toppers, magnets, and so much more, MailShark is there to help your marketing team acquire the clients you deserve. Pay weekly, pay as you go. There is no pressure, no contracts, direct mail. For more details, visit themailshark.com. Right on. Welcome back. WrenchNation.tv. I know a lot of you will dip in out of the show, get onto the website. Uh, you can watch it at your leisure or catch the Sunday podcast upload. I'll remind you, uh, we actually did uh, coverage on two topics, electric vehicle latest news uh, that we went knee deep in that. Also promoting the Automotive Service Association Shop to Shop event. If you're in the industry, it's a great way to network. That's John Firm and Jeff Buckley. Lastly, avoiding diesel technician burnout. I know a lot of you diesel technicians, you're dealing with the same thing that we deal with uh, regarding gas, and that's technology. And we were honored to have CEO talent Tyler Robertson of Diesel Laptops. That's show number 268. Please catch those shows over a nice beverage. And uh, of course, get in the comments. We'd love to hear your show topic ideas. In 1987, way back, Vic Tarasic opened up a shop in his home garage. A lot of us started very small. We didn't just have Buku money and said, let's open up a Taj Mahal. Vic grew that into a 14-bay automotive maintenance repair facility out of Woodland, Texas. And after almost 30 years of successfully running that, he had some pain along the way. But in the end, very successful. He sold his shop, and now he has been running as one of the industry-leading coaches for the automotive industry. Let's welcome Vic Tarasic. What's happening, Vic? It's good to be here, man. Yeah, no, and we go back, man, um, way back to the Bottom Line Impact Groups, which is a great coaching group, and I uh, was always fond. You had a big sign in front of your shop, and I'm like, man, I wish I had that big sign in front of my place. <laughs> but I, I think the camaraderie was there, and uh, I want to go back before we get into this whole topic of why, you know, I wanted to tackle this from the direction as to why folks wouldn't attain a business coach I think if we can examine, of course, there's, we're going to talk benefits, but I, I think we can get into their heads as to why they may be on the fence. But I got to go back in time with you. Mm-hmm. Like me, did you think you could do it all? And maybe there was a period way back when you started your business that you said, hey, you know, I got this. And ultimately, that wasn't the case. Wow. You know, that is a... Uh a very revealing question because for the first 15 years of my operation, I had not a clue what I was doing business-wise. I was a fantastic technician to fix my way out of any problem, fix anything. But, you know, when it came to marketing and human resources and the finances and hiring and firing, no one trained me to do that. That's, you know, that seems to be a big dilemma. We're great. We're great at what we do under hood. Like we, we love fixing cars and we love people that come through and we want to be their heroes. Yep. But at the end of yep. the day, we got a lot of anxiety because we, we did all this work and maybe the money didn't come in because we didn't properly price things out to actually take care of the consumer with the right quality work and such. Well, you know, and I think that's part of the, the intrinsic issue is because 
where did we get the reward as a technician? Is that job well done? And when a customer comes in and they thank you and they're all smile, that is a huge part of the reward. But I, what I think a lot of technicians turned shop owners don't think about is the knowledge they've gained over the years and the value in their brain power. They, they look at how it is, easy it is for them. And unfortunately, they minimize sometimes what the billing is because of, you know, the customers are really thankful. And that's kind of sometimes where you can get into trouble is normally in the, in the pricing strategies, uh, giving something away, getting a discount. I had a coaching compadre who used to say, he said, you know, I'd rather sit in the bay, do nothing, than, you know, work, work in the bay next to it and not make any money. Yeah, and I think consumers listening can respect this. I, I don't want them to uh, take away that, you know, automotive mechanics that are going to business or are becoming rich overnight like that. I think what we're talking about is the sustenance of staying in business to offer great value. And you just can't do that when you don't know how to structure price to pay technicians what they're worth. I want to, I want to go back to what you said. I find it very interesting. I talk to a lot of shop owners like you do. Sometimes our machines are well run. Those are the folks that are in the 20 groups and they're in the coaching and they've made lots of mistakes. And sometimes our technicians may think it's a lot easier because we've got it to a point where it's streamlined. We reduce the anxiety and they turn around and say, well, I can do that. Right. Well, they, and they look at the, uh, the, the well-run shop, but they don't, they weren't exposed to the shop that was poorly run. And they consider that an overnight success, but it was an overnight success. It was 15 years in the making, sometimes 30. Yeah, no doubt. Vic, let me ask yeah. you, you, you were in a, you're running your shop for many years. Mm-hmm. What triggered you, man? What was your passion? You sold your shop. Right. What triggered you to get into coaching? You could have just went fishing, man. I could have. And, and it was funny, Frank, when I sold my shop, I, I sold it right. And I was in my brain, I was going to retire. And I always had a joy being part of a 20-group of, of working with other shop owners and helping them be more successful in the 20-group. But I thought, you know, heck, this is my time to, to chill and, like say, go fishing or work on some classic cars. But honestly, after the first 60 days, I got bored. This is what happens when you're working 30 years. You can't just stop. It's not like you're going to go fishing and basket weaving. This is nope. a normal phenomenon. <laughs> no. And so, you know, I look back onto that, that day that I, I got, I, I got so fed up one day. It was like, it's 15 years into, into running the business. And I got so fed up with my back was against the wall. And I had read articles in motor magazine, you know, our Bob O'Connor, you, we, he speaks to a lot of people and he's, he's kind of like the, the coaching tree of analogous with the, you know, the Andy Reid coaching tree in the NFL today. And I, I, I got I got back from home one day, and I, I put in a whole bunch of feedback information, and I wanted help. I wanted help right away. Um, yeah, no, Bob think, Bob O'Connor was an industry icon, um, yeah, original yeah. playbook designer, and I'm in, I'm in the same boat as you. I was completely stunned about how much I did get wrong by way of what I thought I knew. I mean, you you only know what you know, and you know. We, we have to take folks back a little bit because that was like borderline pre-internet, like Mitch right. Schneider Motor Age magazine articles yeah. is what was saving us. And those of you that know, know from that generation. But I want to back up a little bit for those that are not mm-hmm. familiar. They may be one or two year shop owners. Uh, what is a 20 group? Well, the best way to put it is, you know, a group of, of shop owners that are, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 meet in one location or do it virtually, but they do it with the guidance of a coach. Look at it like a football team. You have a bunch of players on the field. They all know their position, but do they know how to work work through those positions? Well, they have a coach to help them get through that. And what a 20 group does is it brings all these shop owners together from non-competitive markets. And here's the critical component about this being a non-competitive market is because you can be totally transparent about what's going on and not worry about what someone might say or, or, or judge you. 
because that's the only way you're going to get help. Do you, you find you find that a lot of uh, initial members of a 20 group may take a few months to learn that they don't need to lie to themselves anymore? Oh, heck yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. You and I first met. It was, you know, 2006 when we met in Denver. And that was the very first meeting for you and another member. And I remember that meeting really well because this one member was very resistant. And he every meeting he was very resistant and very resistant. And it would keep going on for probably almost a year and a half. And, and then, then this member started to listen and started to change. And his his uh, his business began to develop and grow. What changed him? Uh, let's dive into that. What I mean, this twenty group—they hold you to the fire. They're not playing around because otherwise, a twenty group just doesn't really exist. If if folks are just too much kumbaya and they don't get down with the pain of facing right. truth, can you talk to me a little deeper on that? Because I think I think there is some intimidation with folks that may not want to join a Tony group because they're comfortable with the one or two white lies that they're saying about their business and they're living with an emotional bank account and a touchy-feelsy roadmap. How do you tear that open? How does the group get into that process? Well, a lot of it comes down to getting them focusing on what's ahead, uh, asking tough questions like, when are you going to retire? You know, because a lot of shop owners today are in their prime, 30s, 40s. But we also know a lot of shop owners that are in their late 50s today that never thought of retirement, and now retirement's on the horizon, they're in trouble. And and so how do we get, how do we get them to start looking at things? Is we, we get them not looking at the now, we get them looking ahead, but seeing what the decisions they make today, the impact it's going to make on them down down the road in the future. Man, it's like, you know, you fly cross-country. You know, if you hopped on a plane leaving Phoenix and you were going to New York and that plane got knocked off course by, you know, a half a degree, would you land in New York? Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. I think a lot of us, and I certainly speak for myself, I certainly you speak for yourself and many others, when we start something, we're, we get so excited. We have the adrenaline. We know right. we can do it. We believe it. We're wholeheartedly siding up with the right thing by people. Most most understand that, but we just don't have a clue about the exit of the journey. And I think that is actually going to open somebody and shock somebody up to step up when you ask that phrase, because that's that'll get somebody to think, here you are in your business. Well, what's your plan? How do you plan on exiting? I don't care if you're 30 40, 50, 60, what's your goal here? Well, and, and that's Stephen Covey's one of his seven habits of highly effective people. Begin with the end in mind. You know, you, you start something, you should always think about the end because, Frank, a shop owner listening, or a tech that's going to be a shop owner, he's got to remember one thing. At some point, he will sell his business one way or another, either on his terms or on someone else's terms. There's always going to be an exit. And that that can be the you know something that rocks the world, but you know that it goes back again yeah, goes back to the, the the Stephen Covey begin with the end in mind. And during that process, so it's a healthy end that could be mm-hmm. twenty years, that could be five years, that could be thirty right. years. Right. There are metrics uh, to the business, and, and I want to bring this up. Mm-hmm. Why not just get all this stuff on YouTube or online? What is wrong with that ideology? I mean, the internet's powerful. It is powerful, but can, can the internet be wrong? Yeah, who, who so would say that? Hashtag fake news, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, here, here, I kind of line it up this way. You know, taking you know information that's given to you, one, that free and by someone who is not necessarily credible, is kind of like taking marriage advice from somebody that's been married four times. Yeah, let me ask you something. So I've heard this argue, argument you triggered me on this thought, and I say this cautiously, and I say this respectfully. Are the best coaches ones that have actually done it, made money, and were successful? Or can you be, can, can you be, be born as someone that can lead and motivate people without actually having 
any sort of business background. I, I find that not just in our industry, but there are coaches out there, and I'm like, where did they come from? Well, you don't remember. You remember Bob Greenwood? God yeah. bless him, man. Great yeah, Canadian. Yeah, great guy. Uh, one of the more, most successful coaches out out there. You know, before he before he left us, Bob Bob never owned an automotive shop. He was steeped in business. He understood metrics. And what I think what was good about him coming into the industry, he looked at it differently than all of us other coaches. In fact, in in a, in a group of us coaches got got together, he would challenge all of us in the way we thought. He was very dynamic, and he always dressed to the nines as a true oh, professional man. and would always deliver. I, I think his phrase was, why aren't you the CEO of your business kind of thing, right? He made you <laughs> exactly. think, and you're like, man, I just want to fix cars and keep a couple people happy. But he did. He did. And I don't know what Canadians are drinking in their water, and I'm just going to say this. But there's a ton of great coaches coming out of Canada. I remember our facilitator, John Waffler. I believe he Mm -hmm. is still around. Of course, your good friend and partner. I'm going to talk more about that. The Apex gig, Murray Voth, another great coach who's out of Canada. Um, Regionally, they're put. I mean, they're they're putting out these quarterbacks out of Canada for our industry. These coaches. I mean, I'm being silly with it, but it seems like there's a high rate of good coaching coming out of Canada. There really is. And, you know, I, one of the things that, that Canada's got going on up is there is a culture of training. It starts in the bays and it, and it moves its way to the front. And, these, you know, the coaches like Murray, I mean, man, Murray, he, he rocks it, absolutely rocks it. I mean, uh, I, he, he also comes from the Bob O'Connor tree. Uh, you know, he thinks very similarly. And that's one of the reasons why he and I connect so well together is because we have similar visions and we both push each other too. We make each other better coaches. Um, well, that's know, what it's yeah. about. Yeah. While you guys are listening, I want you to check out uh, shopownercoach.com uh, as we're discussing this with uh, if you're just joining us, uh, Vic Tarasic, uh, who has been around for many years, shopownercoach.com. And of course, Murray Voth. We tried to get Murray on. It was so last minute. I wanted to discuss yeah. this and, and help get. Uh, your good works at uh, Apex on the map, rpmtraining.net. While we discuss this further, you guys uh, uh, take a gander there. Um, going back to the discipline, you mentioned Canada, back shop. They seemed a bit more uh, disciplined. Do you find that a lot of us here in the States, you visited a lot of shops, I've seen a lot of shops. We get so busy where it's just like maybe there's four or five things that we're doing right that's good enough. But we're just running and gunning, and we end up on the defense of our business, and the anxiety is just kicked up notches because something's happened and we weren't prepared for it. You know, it's so common because you know we, you know, we as shop owners can put on the fireman hat. You know, you know, going from from fire to fire, putting it out, and it becomes more reactionary in the way we operate our business than planned. Uh, you know, Chubby Fredericks, you know, he, you know uh, the, the former ATI owner, he used to say, you can't run a business from under a car on a creeper. Uh, I, I, I just, I love that. And, and that's the, I think that's the challenge is, and I had that challenge was pulling myself out of the shop and moving up front and then moving into being a business owner. Part of that is uncomfortable. I mean, if you think about it, we've been so uncomfortable turning wrenches, you know, we're under a car, we, you know, Cars don't argue back in most cases, and we're so comfortable working in that environment. It's it's a little more difficult to get into the business environment. But man, once you get in there and start focusing on the the planned chaos of the business, because some days can go really crazy. You look at the last couple of years, shops, shops, car counts have been through the roof. Yeah, I want to get to that. Post-COVID, like we all, I've mentioned this on the show, like, uh, you know, March, April, we gathered our hands together. uh, Mm -hmm. We sang, we lit candles. We had no idea what COVID was going to bring. And then about April, May, for the most part, the floodgates were open. The consumer was flush. They wanted to get out. They wanted to spend. They had to catch up on their on their maintenance. And I have never, and I've experienced uh, 2000.com bubble. We experienced September 11th, and I experienced the 2008 correction. I had yep. never seen anything like it. 
Were no. you having shop owners call you uh, complaining about that pain? Too many cars, we can't slow it down, it's almost unmanageable. Yeah, and in fact, we, we have a, a scorecard we, we monitor all of our clients with, and you can see how the, how the numbers were ticking up. And where the, where the pain began to come in is when they've got four-week-out waiting lists. God, that, I, oh, that rumbles my stomach. I may get some hate on this, but, man, I don't ever. I get nervous just having folks two days out. <laughs> you uh, know, and, we're, and we're a busy garage. Well, yeah, and that's, you should be. And this is, but you know what's great about having a four-week-long waiting list is you can, then you can begin to pick and choose. You can start to go, ah, this customer is a little more challenging than the others. Well, you can dial in. And, and for those listening, again, this is some really deep industry talk. If you're behind the wheel, you're like, oh, my God, what did they just say? The fact is we got to choose our battles. Let's just face it. Um, most of you that are working in any industry uh, know that, we can't be heroes to everybody. That's just the bottom line. And 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 so a, a fair business practice is to do our best with the folks that we have in front of us and to give everyone the amount of time they deserve. And what we're saying here is COVID really stretched that out because we weren't going to compromise uh, and cut corners on the service you deserve. But we were challenged because the uptick was real. It, it really it really was. And, and, you know, it's interesting, too, and, Frank, you're probably thinking the same thing. Economically, we're, we're seeing, you know, what our country's going through right now. So will we see these four-week, three-week, two-week-long waiting lists? I don't know. But this well, is the time as well, a shop owner to start planning for maybe you need to mark up. Well, this is the deal. When when I, you know, always tried to treat our, treat our place, um, you know, as if I had to answer to board members and I was telling the staff and crew very transparent. I don't know if we can reproduce this type of volume. I don't know that this this sounds and feels like an anomaly. Uh, And many of you in the dry cleaning industry and whatever businesses you're in, you know this. And so we have to be conservative. And um, I want to talk more about I arrive to your 20 group. What are the one or two habits that I develop that if you don't get me out of, it's going to be a huge problem. I want to hang on this break. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I want to address that. If you're just joining us, Vic Tarasik. Uh, of course, I want to give a big shout-out. Murray Voth as well. Uh, get on to shopownercoach.com as well as Murray's, uh, one of the Canada's most knowledgeable experts, rpmtraining.net. Until then, Vic, hang tight. We'll be back. Wrench Nation. Support for Wrench Nation Car Talk, the smart choice for auto parts, Pronto National Association. Pronto is committed to the independent automotive aftermarket and demonstrates leadership within the automotive industry. Pronto Association is made up of nearly 100 member auto part distributors. Visit pronto-net.com. Automotive technical training, parts lineup, and representation of the automotive member community. Pronto-net.com. Now, I got to tell you, I'm pretty excited about this. We have a benefits portion of our website, WrenchNation.tv, where we've got benefits for the Wrench Nation community, which is really protection for you, your family, your team. Your culture is important. Your team environment is important. So we're going to make it real easy for you to shop for health care, life insurance, device insurance, even pet insurance. I'm excited to share with you the benefits for the Wrench Nation community. Get on to WrenchNation.tv. We've made it real easy and simple. Your small business team deserve no less. Get on to WrenchNation.tv. Check out the benefits page and check out health insurance, life insurance, car rental, condo and home insurance. You name it. We've got your benefits covered. GetRichBenefits.com or WrenchNation.tv. 52% of the population, family, are women. We love you, ladies, but less than 3% of you women are professional technicians. Our charity partner, Tech Force Foundation, believes if we want to solve this little technician shortage, we need to start talking to 52% of these ladies out in the population. Head on over. If you feel like you can tinker with the best of them, head on over to TechForce.org. Welcome back, WrenchNation.tv. Get on to the website. Uh, give us your comments there. Also, I want to make an announcement. Even Educational Foundation, right here on campus, is hosting their 16th annual fundraising breakfast on Wednesday, November 9th, 
You guys come on down. We got the culinary students. Uh, they're cooking up uh, breakfast, gourmet style. Bring your wallet, people. We are raising money uh, for the foundation. More info at ebitfoundation.org. Let's bring up uh, Vic Tarasik back in. Of course, Vic with shopownercoach.com. Welcome back, partner. Thanks, man. Good to be back. Yeah, and of course, uh, Murray Voth, uh, another great coach. Uh, we we just barely missed to get him on the show. I want to give him a shout-out as well, rpmtraining.net. Before we dive into some of the criteria that I mentioned before the break about what you really need to straighten me out if I'm new to this 20 group or else I'm just not going to make it, tell us about what you have coming up at the Automotive Aftermark Parts Expo, Apex. Tell us what you got going on. Well, man, you know, so Murray and I, we're putting on a class. It's called What's a 20 Group and Why Should I Care? It's it's a condensed version of a two-and-a-half-day class. So we're going to do it in a half a day. It's going to be real-world training. You're, you know, for, for shop owners who want to come and experience, test drive a 20 Group, this is a great time to do it. They'll get to experience what it's like to be in a coaching group, see the value of peer input, see the value of the training that comes in, in, in during it, the value of numbers review. And then, so you're going to have uh, you're going to have a bit of an open book numbers review kind of thing. Bingo. Yeah. We're going to look at numbers and we're going to talk about, but they're going to be all confidential. So sure. the shop owner, shop owners that submit their numbers aren't going to have to worry about them being, you know, you know, look, you know, look in like confidence. I love that because otherwise it gets too touchy feelsy. Let's crack some books open. It's in confidence. Uh, oh yeah. And let's see if we can, uh, test drive the situation and and you're probably going to open a lot of eyes yeah and that's the key i mean i remember before i got involved with the 20 group i had no idea what it was but my back was against the wall so i just i just needed help yeah but there's there's a you know there's a lot of information out there and some people have heard about the power of 20 groups and other you know mastermind peer group 20 group you know there are there's all these different names for them but yeah, you know, ours well, is 20 group. I think just, you know, connecting with other like-minded uh, business owners that are humble and open about growing. I mean, I don't think you can ever entertain really a, a long-term play if you're not going to be open and real uh, because that's a benefit. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're just wasting your time, in my opinion. Oh yeah, you're just there for you're just there for to hang out with. with right, the guys. I mean the beers at the bar, and I get that, but you know it's time to put some work, and and you got to be true blue. I come to you, I come to you, I come to your class. You and Murray are teaching this class, and I'm a little pomp and circumstance. I'm a little more confident and cocky, so I think, right. so I believe, and you realize, man, this guy can be helped, but he's a tough Bronco. What are two things that you are going to find about me, and you can keep it to one, that you find very common with those that may feel like they got it better than they really do? Well, you know, I guess the first thing is understanding that asking for help is not a sign of weakness. You know, the, usually with the, you know, the, that you said that pomp and circumstance, the legend in their own mind covers up the fact that they they really are not all that, uh, and they're but they're unwilling to ask for help. You know, asking for help is a sign of strength. You know, in in all of my classes, I always say their only stupid question is the one not asked. And for this reason, if you ask that question, there's three or four other shop owners who were hesitant to raise their hand. So you're helping them. And so that that tough nut is it's like realizing it helping them realize it's like okay. You are not all that without taking them down a peg. You don't have to take somebody down a peg. You just have to get alongside them, put your arm around them, kind of, kind of point them in the right direction. You know, uh, you know this, Frank. We know when we're wrong. We do, and I tell you what: when you're you when you're amongst a bunch of grown men and women that are gonna hold you liable, and and liable doesn't mean they're gonna crucify you. It's it means no. that they're gonna tell you, you know what. I'm doing the same thing right now. I'm here for this very reason. And so I don't imagine that you have a high uh, rate of folks that show up and disappear. I, I think you and Murray and many of the other, uh, is it CAMP? Is that the coalition? Uh, what's the acronym for that? Yeah, Co- Coalition of Automotive Management Professionals. Exactly. I, I, I would imagine that you guys have probably a good batting average because, you know, um, there's a method – and uh, very few 
are going to leave, I would imagine. Well, you're right, because you know what you get is you get a trusted, trusted relationship, trusted advisor. You know, if you, and I always use the Star Wars analogy for those people who are Star Wars people. Are you a Star Wars person, Frank? I am. You know, I like all that Trekkie stuff. All right, all right so, so think about this. Yoda, he was the Jedi Master. Sometimes I wake up like Yoda, maybe. <laughs> well, you are you are a wise man, Frank. No, man, I'm wise and humble. I tell you what, but I like Yoda. Tell me more. <laughs> well, so so look what happened. You know, you know, you know, you know the you know, Luke came to him, and you know he wouldn't listen right away. But yet, when he submitted to the Jedi Master, what did he become? He became a Jedi Knight. Yeah. And and so that's kind of what happens is, and he trusted Yoda. He went back and forth throughout the series, you know, back and forth to talk to Yoda. Of course, he of course he'd appear to him in different spots. But your coach is that trusted advisor, that person that you can talk to about anything. You know, we've talked. You, you name the topic, we've talked to our clients about it. And and what's great about this is everything that we hear is stuff that we've not, we've already heard from other clients. You know, I think I think what you and many of the coaches uh, in the industry are doing, uh, I, I wish I had done it much earlier. You know, my first yeah. garage in 1995, first five years, a lot of folks know my story. I missed uh, the first five years of my daughter's life. I was yeah. extremely busy, losing money. I couldn't afford to pay people well. It was a tough way to go. And even to this day, I ask myself, because I'm... I'm it, it's a hard one to explain, but I will tell you this. I will never forget that, and I keep it humble because I, you don't want to get to a pay, place where you plateau. Oh, I don't need no. this anymore. Do you find that? Let's ask that question. Do you have the rock star that's been with you for five, ten years and decides, all right, I'm done with coaching? What what could be wrong with that? Wow. You know, it, it, there's always something new to be learned. Uh, let's you, I'll go back to the NFL. The greater, greatest quarterback of our generation, Tom Brady. He has a quarterback's coach today, and he's been in the league for what twenty-five years, ish. I mean, you know, he's the oldest, he's the oldest quarterback in the league, yet he still has a quarterback. Yeah. So, you know, and it's not just the head coaches; he has quarterbacks coach specifically to him. And you know, one of the things that a coach provides is a sounding board. He also provides accountability, which. A lot of, a lot of shop owners don't want to hear. But well, we can get call. lazy. We get lazy. We met a goal. Uh, yep. We're we're happy. We're comfortable, and we're yep. living large. And we're living proud, and things are well. And we think, okay, well, I can fudge it here and there because I'm comfortable. You find right. that. Well, and if you're not anything, too, Frank, if you're not growing, you're going backwards. And how do you really grow by being by being pushed? by either peers or by being pushed by your coach. And, you know, those that want to leave the group, we encourage, okay, stick in the coaching relationship. And what's great about the journey through the group is this is what's cool. You know, in the first three years, you usually have that that time in the group where you're the learning. And then the next three years is the refining. And then the next three years is helping the others behind you. And, and, and really becoming more of the mentor. And there's guys that stick in the group just from the fellowship standpoint. You yeah, remember our no, I've seen that. Out, hang out the bars. I mean, you know, we're at a steak joint we went to. Yeah, um, no, there's definitely camaraderie. It's a feel good. Let yeah. me ask you something. We have a few yeah. minutes left. We talk about the importance of staying uh, financially sane, mm-hmm. but I'm sure you've got some great stories regarding actually seeing folks in the industry getting healthier we you know we're always trying to talk about this the the financial side which we got to respect but how many of us are so dang unhealthy mentally physically socially because we're beaten down you've seen success stories there well yeah from the health standpoint you're right it can't you know a successful business and a thriving business takes so much pressure and weight and stress you know what's the number one cause of heart attack stress you know obesity stress Uh, you know how about marriage breakups you know that same thing. It, it, it's the stress of, of the business, and if if the if the business is humming, you can focus on the more, most important things in your life, which are, are your family, your friends, yourself, your relationship with God. Those things are the most important. Bus- business is just a vehicle to get us from today to retirement and beyond. Uh, yeah, designing your lifestyle, man. This is what I'm saying. It took me years to 
get that in my knucklehead to, to understand that you really can't chase anything. You really just got to try and do your best to design a life. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's, it's, it's full, you know, if a shop owner is listening, it's all within their power to go the direction that they see. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the value of having somebody to give you valued input, whether it be a coach, whether it be in the, in the peer group. And, and it's not just me or Murray. I mean, there's a lot of really good coaches out there, and that's where I, I go back to the camp, you know, coalition on other management professionals. You know, it's just like restaurants. You know, how many Mexican restaurants you got in, in, in Phoenix? And how many do I have here in, in Houston? A lot. And we've got our favorite, favorite restaurant that's, that we'd like to go to, the favorite Mexican restaurant down in the Woodlands. Uh, it's the same thing with coaches. You find, some, you, you find somebody that serves the food that you like and you stick with them. Yeah, that uh, comfortability of uh, knowing that you can share some deep stuff and not worried about getting chastised, but also not, uh, and I hate this word, but it exists, you don't need to be enabled, right? Mm, Sometimes no. pulling the Band-Aid off and, and, and really, you know, toying your line the hard way, I, I think in the end is, is going to get you out of some bad behavior. Uh, Vic Tarasic, uh thank you so much. Visit shopownercoach.com for more details. And, of course, our friend Murray Voth. You can catch uh, both Vic and Murray at Apex. I'll have that in the show notes. Uh, Murray Voth out of Canada, of course, serving uh, North America, RP train, rpmtraining.net, best practices in management, financial management, implementation systems, and so on. Thank you so much, Vic. I know this was last minute. Uh, you guys are doing amazing for the industry, and we appreciate you joining Wrench Nation. Well, thanks, Frank. Glad, glad to be here. Appreciate you having us. Right on. Yeah, that's something to consider. I, I, you know, I don't care what business you're in. If you, if you want to grow, um, it's like a good athlete. They, they know uh, you can flatline no matter how big shot of a thing you think you're in and how well you think you're doing. There's nothing wrong with growing in that direction and having a sounding board. So highly advise if you're in the industry, uh, get, get yourself a shop coach and peer up with the 20 group because it's going to help you. We don't have all the answers solo and we don't need that anxiety. I appreciate you guys hanging in studio. Miss Natalie, thank you for joining us. You, you don't, you, what happened? Your mic went down. Catherine, thanks for joining us. I, I appreciate you last minute hanging, giving me the, the younger demo approach yeah, no about cars and stuff me. natalie you rock thank you now go do your homework okay. <laughs> anyway always enjoy hanging with you guys next week we got fireball tim out of california he's going to join us fireball tim will be live we'll have greg ovis back in studio and of course Susie socket should be along for the ride i uh, appreciate you guys if you have show comments get into the comment section Please give us a review or show idea. We'd love to hear from you. And always an open mic for anyone in your automotive organization. As I tell you every week, be safe, hug each other, and never forget to hug a mechanic. I'm the boss.